welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast, the special needs podcast. Every week on the podcast, we'll be talking about a different topic within the world of special educational needs to improve our knowledge, to provide support to professionals working in schools and to empower parents. In this episode, we have Alison Knowles back. She is here to discuss the impact of the pandemic and how it is making people more anxious. But before we get started, have you heard of the Virtual Send Conference? This is a conference we started running in 2019 that makes CPD around SEND more affordable, easier to access and allows you to deliver CPD to the whole school around SEND. It runs every year over the internet, but you can watch the videos whenever you need to, as they are always available on demand. For more information, visit www.trainingforeducation.com. At the end of the episode, I'll be giving you a discount code so you can save some money when you purchase access. Now on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing anxiety and how the pandemic has increased the level of people's anxiety. Joining me today is Alison Knowles. Alison is the creator of the Ollie model, the author of the series Ollie and His Superpowers, trainer of Ollie coaches, and an emotional therapist, and generally everything Ollie related. Welcome to the show, Alison. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. So, that pandemic is causing a big rise in anxiety. People cannot return to the life they used to live. Yeah, I, I mean, thank you for having me again. When we do these podcasts and you invite me along and we, we discuss the topics, what I do is I kind of gauge Mental Health UK and what's happening in my therapy room and that of, of my therapists. And anxiety levels have always been huge. It's always been a massive, massive issue. But yeah, for sure, it's gone through the roof right now. And, you know, it is all about the pandemic, but different aspects of what that means to different people. Yeah, I know you sent me your list of, can I do topics on this? And I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm seeing the same things either personally or on, on the Facebook and groups. How do I deal with this? How do I? And yeah, it's big. And you talk to people and you're going, oh, how's what's the name? Because my, my children moved from primary school to secondary school. And you meet up with a parent. Oh, how's blah blah? So, oh yeah, really struggling. What do I mean? Oh, they're struggling to go back to work. You're like, what? Well, they used to work up in London, but they're struggling to leave their house. It's like going, I don't, I don't understand. I'm a very, um, as we talked before we started recording. I have a plan A, B, C, D, D, and all that lot. So I have lots of plans. So if we go to this one, and it helps, it removes my anxiety. That's how I deal with things. Other people, they just, they just see what's in front of them, fight or flight, and game over, isn't it? For a lot of time, a lot of the time. I, I, th- I think. I know I've simplified things there. <laughs> yeah, but I love that about you. The, the, the thing is, and, and I, was, I was doing a, an interview the other day on anxiety disorder, and, and the thing is there isn't, there isn't one pill that will make it go away for everybody because everybody does anxiety differently and for different reasons. So when you're talking about has, how's the pandemic affect people's anxiety, well, it depends who you're talking to. So if you're talking to a little one, really little one that's just about to go to nursery school for the first time, chances are that, you know, They might have not been to nursery school because of the pandemic or they've missed social interaction. So we're seeing a lot more of attachment issues because they haven't been mixing with lots of people, which normally they would have done pre this. And then if you look at youngsters at school, well, it's all changing, isn't it? Because they're getting different teachers because teachers aren't immune to COVID. Schools are doing an amazing job at the moment. They really are. And, you know, we, we pat on the back for 
NHS, absolutely, we should do it for our teachers too. But there's change there. And the kids going back now, the seniors, they've got to wear masks. There's all this pressure about have they missed school? Are they going to be able to get through their exams? They haven't been able to see their friends. We are social creatures. That creates all sorts of anxieties. Let's go up for years. You're a mum and dad. Homeschooling. Oh, my Lord. How many people did that push over the edge? Have I got a job? Working at home. It's lovely for the first few weeks, isn't it? But then you're missing that social interaction again. Your world's different. Can I book a holiday? And if long as I've got something to look forward to, I'll be all right. You can, but it's going to be cancelled. And everything that we, you know, we all go on about, we don't like rules and regs. We've all gone barmy at Boris telling us what to do when he decides what he's going to do and he doesn't when he's not. Don't get political, Ali, but there you go. We need rules and regs as adults as much as children do. And we need to know what those are. We might not like them, but at least we know what we are, they are. And then we know what we're doing. There's no unknown there. And the thing that creates anxiety is when we're overwhelmed and that's because we don't know what's going on or we can't cope. So it, you can nail it all down. So of all the things that could cause anxiety, if you really drill down, it's, it's not being in control, feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. If we think of, we used to have a routine. You used to go to work, do all this, you'd meet people, you had a routine. The routine's changing, it's gone. So that has a huge impact. As you said, we like our routines. And when we think of, children with autism they love their routines absolutely important for them yeah and they often struggle with the last few days of the christmas term the autumn term because it's let's just have fun it's like no i need to know what i'm doing at 11 a.m uh, uh, i can't cope we're all a bit like that we're all going i'm working from home it's like oh but what, what, what am i doing and the overload is, so we, we years ago started doing online meetings, but we still did quite a bit of travelling. And sometimes I hate the travelling. I hate driving up the M40 or wherever I'm going. I hate it. But what it gave me is when I had that meeting, on my way back, my brain would be buzzing from what I've just done, and I would have two hours in the car to analyse, process, work out, oh, that's what I'm going to do with that information. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and it will start me going. What happens now is I click on end meeting or leave, run to the toilet, grab a cup of tea, sit down again and go, join meeting. I'm never actually processing. I'm never having a bit of downtime between these meetings. What I've done is gone from maybe two meetings a day to four or five because I can squeeze them in. But I'm not actually necessarily having time to fully process. Because these podcasts, you know what you talk about, Alison. You know it. You come in. And you're going to, she does. And she knows what she's going to talk about. For me, I've literally, on topics, I'm going to have a little bit, but I've got to listen to Ali and join in the conversation. And I find these days of podcasting, because we're doing four episodes a day, quite draining. And you probably do as well. But you know you've got lots of things to draw on. I think if we, if we back up to the work scenario, absolutely. I think, I think that was really important. I, I used to when I had a real job before I saw the light became a therapist, I used to do an awful lot of driving. And I loved it because that was my time to switch off from the office before I got home so I didn't take it home. Yeah. So I could just be what I needed to be when I got home. And, of course, there isn't that point of separation. But the flip side of that, and, and again, I'm seeing an awful lot of this, and it's not mentioned very much, the number of couples that are struggling because they're just not used to spending this much time together. And more importantly, they're used to and they need that social interaction from friends, whether it's going and playing golf, whether it's going for a beer after work. I'm talking about the women here, we'll get onto the men in a minute. You know what I mean. <laughs> but but we have outside interests outside of the family and the relationship. They've been taken away. So 
I seriously, it, the, the stats, it, 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 it's quite an interesting read at the moment, the stats of the change from two years ago of what I'm seeing in my therapy room. And I used to see it, you know, when couples retired, that was always a bit of an iffy time. You know, it's supposed to be the time of your life, but they've never spent time together. And some people just don't do it well. What, what but lot, it's been forced on us, isn't it? What a lot of couples do is you get they work all week, yeah. or they go out at the weekend, they see friends together. It's like they're not really a couple, they're a social partner. Yeah. They go out and they have fun, they work well together, they go to a restaurant, having the nice food. and Okay, now you're stuck in a house together, in a kind of nothing going on. Who are you? And you see these memes, oh, I've been stuck at home with my wife all day. Apparently, she's quite a nice person. You see these things on Facebook at the beginning of COVID. Or worse, I've got absolutely nothing in common and you have these long drawn out times and you find you're just looking at your phone more yeah. and more over the dinner table. Yeah, and that's the thing. You see this, you, you see it happen and you, you hear about these things where, yeah, actually, when you're stuck at home with that person opposite you, oh, this is not where I want to be. And it might be, as you said, you love them, but... What you actually like doing is you have, and again, this is um, going back to me when I was... Um, I love them a bit more when they're out playing golf, that kind of thing. <laughs> no, I, I've worked. My wife took off a number of years to look after our children. And I would see lots of people. and I would interact and I would have all these things going on in my life. And my wife had my children who were not really most entertaining at one year old and two years old. Not the best conversation, didn't really into the TV programs, didn't really go out nice lunch and appreciate the food. Or do you think she didn't have a life? So she just sat there and we were in very different places. And it was like kind of, and there's rules where I'd always learned that however bad my day was, her day was always worse. And things like that. I learned certain rules to get us through it. But it is, is when you're stuck at home with not a lot going on, you haven't got anything to drive conversation. I would be out, oh, this happened today. And she she works with us, so she's here in the office. She knows the people. So I would have to make sure I'm telling her, oh, this happened, this happened, blah, blah, happening, we're doing this, to make sure we could have a conversation. Because if I wasn't doing that, I'd be like, how's your day? It, it, I changed it, nappies. It's, it's, it's one of the biggies in this pandemic. But going back to children, children of autism, you're absolutely right. We all know any kind of transitional change is a massive, massive issue for them, regardless of where they are on the spectrum. And... They don't know from one day to the next at the moment because the schools are having to adjust. They're having to juggle with nothing. I've got lots of friends that are head teachers and they are pulling their hair out. They're leaving the profession, God help us, because, do you know, what can they do? The government's saying, you know, you wear masks, you'll do this, you'll do that. But they haven't got the teachers. What can they do? And no child likes a different teacher. They, they had their teacher. They like their teacher. If we're talking specifically anyone on the spectrum, that's a change that is just too much. Because a new teacher coming in will change the structure of the lesson and the day as well, which is just too much. And that creates horrendous anxiety for them. And on, on, on a good day, if you know, okay, that teacher's off, we'll get cover in. You can brief them on some of those people's needs in the classroom. You, you'll, you'll manage it. Now you're getting limited notice. You've got limited options. Yeah. Um, my daughter in secondary yesterday sat, sat there in a classroom for 20 minutes and someone walked in and went, what are you doing here? Like, oh, she's not in today. You've moved to another classroom. But they're not. They're on the back foot, they're, as you yeah, said. I'm going to defend them. There's, oh, they're definitely. They're, they're, you know, I know everybody's quick to say, well, the teachers should do this, the teachers should do more of that. And, you know, there's good and bad in everything. There are some teachers that should do a bit more, but the majority. Big majority. Yeah, they're, they're killing themselves, trying to get it right for the kids, for their staff, for one another. And we forget their parents too. So why they're trying to juggle what's happening in their school 
You know, they're worrying about what's happening to their child, who may well be on the spectrum too, in another school. And, and they're more aware of it. And then we get onto our teens. I was about to say, one thing I was just about to teachers is, I was, um, I don't post on Twitter, but I browse Twitter. And it was the end of the Christmas term, autumn term, the number of teachers being diagnosed, coming down, getting COVID, not diagnosed, getting COVID, and basically going, that's my Christmas ruined. So they worked all thing. And because whatever reason, their two week break that they're getting to, to spend time with family, get, got taken away from them as well. And it's it's. Uh, you know, horrible. And, and again, I think the teachers will be the first to say every bugger else is doing that as well at the moment. All of us are, you know, is Christmas happening or not? But it's just where we're at. But it comes down to all of us are doing the best we can with the information we've got. And, and the point that we become anxious and the anxiety becomes overwhelming is when we don't have enough information to be in control of the situation. Seriously, if you really, really drill down, what, what is anxiety? Do you know, I, we, we do this uh, program and, in Ollie Kids now in schools all over where we don't just do one-to-one -one work and, and step in when there's a problem with the child, whatever it might be, but we also do prevent work where we go in and we start educating children on how to control their emotions rather than be controlled by them before that turns into a behaviour that ends up in month-to-month -month therapy. That's a whole other story we won't get into. But we've got, we've got little ones, year ones, that understand that anxiety is actually a good thing. Do you know, I have to be careful where I say that because I'm waiting to be stoned, but it's true. And the reason that they see that is because they recognize that anxiety is a part of you, but it's like a bodyguard. And the only time we ever get anxious is if our little bodyguard in our brain deems that there's something going on around us that we don't understand. If we don't understand it, it could be dangerous. Or we don't know what's happening next. That could be dangerous because we can't prepare. He'll only kick off if he thinks you're under any kind of threat or danger. So anxiety is just a little alarm to protect you, which is why it's so individual. When I say I like, there's a, um, I think there's a type of bird, which is born, and when they're born, they fear a shape. They fear the sparrowhawk. I think it is. They fear that. And if you move a car, they're literally they're a cower. No one's told them this, but they cower. It's anxiety. They recognise that shape, danger. It's anxiety. It's a protection factor. What's interesting, if you do it backwards, it doesn't work. Only when it goes forward. But yeah, anxiety is a protection. We're, we're we all have it. We all need it. It's when it gets too much. Yeah, well, I mean, we're not, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a psychotherapist and I'm not that loads of letters after my name, but I don't think we're born with anxiety. I think we're born with some inherent fears, but I think they probably come from our environment. And by that, I mean the people around us, like snakes, spiders, stuff like that. Do you know how, how many of us have actually been really scared directly by a snake or a spider? Is it because mum's scared or worse, dad's scared, who's your protector? But over time, this little bodyguard works out what's frightened you, upset you, or made you feel not safe, and it logs it. In Ollie's world, we call it in the library. So it logs it in the library, and he's on guard all the time. He's like circling you. And if you're in a situation, anything like something you've experienced before that was painful to you physically or emotionally, he's going to make you anxious. Why? Because anxiety makes you run away or fight. The reason we've got such a blimmin' mess at the moment is because the therapy that's available is to change your behavior to deal with something, run away or fight, you can't run away from an emotion. And the thing that this pandemic has done, if we really drill down to what is causing the anxiety, it's not a physical thing. You know, being sick isn't nice. If you get COVID, it's really not nice. It's real. But it's the anxiety of what that could mean and all the implications. And that's an emotional thing. So you need to deal with it on an emotional level. And what's happening at the moment is 
and again, my therapy room. Like when when a parent um, brings a child or a young adult to me, because obviously they don't refer themselves, strangely enough. <laughs> it's always good fun working with small children and teenagers. They're not there by choice. And and I'll get a little bit of a background. And mum will say, well, you know, we went to Cam H um, because they're, you know, they're being more withdrawn. There's this going on, there's that going on. And there's various things that parents are noticing and they don't want to go to school. They're doing all this stuff, right? And, you know, if you can get near Cam H, you couldn't before COVID. Let's be honest, they're overstretched. It's blimmin' ridiculous now. So you, you can't. So then the next step when the child is really, really struggling with anxiety and it's holding them back or your teen or you, you go to the GP. When you go to the GP, they have 10 minutes, right? They have 10 minutes. If you can see one or 10 minutes on the, t- that's a, let's not go there either. This is the, the world we're in at the moment. But bless them, they've got 10 minutes. And in that 10 minutes, they can't drill down to what this anxiety is really about, the emotion that's driving it and help you remove it. So all they can do is dish out pills. And those pills, and there's a variety of pills, but basically all they're going to do is subdue the emotion, subdue the feeling, so you can cope. Now, on one level, do you know there's a time and a place? And if, if it's to help you overcome a specific thing that's going on in your world right now, and once that thing's moved away or moved on, you don't need the pills anymore, great. But as I said, it's emotional, and you can't move away from it. So what's, what I'm getting is youngsters, as young as seven, eight, and teenagers that are being put on all sorts of pills, antidepressants and pills that just subdue the emotion because there's nothing else a GP can do. What does that do? It doesn't make it go away. That's like getting loads of letters through the door and their bills. If I don't open them, I don't have to worry about it. They're not going to go away. It's just going to get bigger, isn't it? Yeah, and I suppose this is, I, I think, going through something like this similar with my, my children at the moment and very fortunate that um, I've met lots of amazing people through doing this podcast, so I can talk to them. It's great. But it's helped me understand a lot more about the brain, psyche. And you talked about a minute ago about um, creating that safe world as you go through life. And I did an amazing podcast, um, which was uh, with Claire Ward and James Galpin, Desperately Seeking Certainty. It's about having my safe world and knowing it and safe. And Yeah, it's fabulous. And it is exactly what you've just said. I'm in a fortunate position where I thought my daughter basically pills are not a solution. As you said, certain times they help, they write the right thing, but most of the time they're not a solution. They're just hiding the issue and you actually need to face or deal with the issue and talk about. And that's what we're doing with my daughter is we are using counselor, but actually going that costs and not everyone is lucky enough to be able to do that because you have no idea how much the final bill will be. You have a per session cost, but you don't know. You, see, you, often, you often previously talked about how uh, people go for months, months, you went to a school where you had counsellors in there for years and you went in there. So it's an unknown. It, look, you know it is, and I'm not a parent. It's what I, I, you know, used to, I've always wanted to have kids. It's not something that I, I have, although I've got thousands now, but... I watch parents and all parents want to do is take care and protect their children and their teens. And they feel damn helpless when they're watching them withdraw, watching them get really upset, frightened, all, the, all this stuff that a parent knows. A parent knows the child's different. And what, what do we do? We need to know what to do. So you go to CAMH. You can't go to CAMH. They're, they're booked out. You can't see a therapist for eight months. That's too late. My kid's in a bad place. So you go to the GP. The GP can only give you pills. So you take them. And you're going to take them because you want to help your child. I think, but then we move on to the next problem of 
you know, we're saying there's not enough nurses, there's not enough teachers, there's not enough doctors. There are enough therapists. What there aren't is enough therapists with the right procedures, policies, and God knows what in place. That's a that's a problem. The whole arena needs to sort itself out. But there, and I'm going to put my hands up here as as our organisation. I put us up there as a viable option. But we're not the only one. And by taking the time, the kids that I'm working with, that you know, I I can't change their environment and what's happening in the world. But by getting to the root emotion, which nine times out of ten is this control thing. Am I safe? Do I know what's happening next? If you feel in control, you're not anxious. You're anxious when you're not in control. And by giving them back some semblance of control, even in the world that's changing this badly, you can give them the tools to move on. So, you know, this isn't a, a pump Ollie thing, but please, 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 anyone listening, if, if, if you know, and you do know, your kids, your teens are different, they're struggling, you're, there are other therapists out there. Do your homework, check them out, talk to us. Just speak to them. You've got nothing to lose. No, and I would if you. The thing is, if you can find counsellors, therapists in your area, and it's going to cost, is the sooner you do it, and even if it's and it's really hard if if you're struggling with money, if you can do it, it can make a really big difference. And, and you know what? You know, therapists need to make a living, but we're all in this together, and we blimmin' well are. And I mean, I'm going to hang myself because I know my boss is listening to this. But I've got a lot of families that could really struggle to pay to see me as a private therapist, I'll find a way to help. I'm not saying we all will, but I'm saying most yeah. of us would. We're in this together. So just pick the phone up. Don't struggle alone. And therapy doesn't need to take months. And I listen to Alison. I listen to various people on this podcast. I've got all this amazing information. I talk to my daughter and I'm going, I know I can do it. I know that I'm her dad and she won't share with me because I'm her dad. And I literally going, but I'm non-judgmental. You, she goes, you are. You're really great. But I just don't want to tell you this. And I'm never going to be able to remove that. No matter how much I talk to Alice and how much I talk to other people who will give me so much amazing information, I'm her dad and that will never change. And she wants to talk to someone else. And there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, I've got family, obviously. And, you know, it's like if you've got a hairdresser in the family, everyone sort of says, oh, you know, we're family. Can you cut my hair? I get the same thing. You're the therapist in the family. And... And and so, you know, I, I can't remember the last time anyone, friends or family, just popped in to talk rubbish. It's not. It's, oh, how are you doing? Oh, by the way, can I just, no, no, <laughs> stop. I think uh, Alison's saying don't ask her any questions after the podcast, <laughs> okay? I've, I've taken the subtle hint. <laughs> no, no, not at all. The, the, the problem is, as a therapist, you are trained to not contaminate the room. Now, by that, I mean you don't take any of your thoughts, opinions or beliefs in so that you're not in any way judging or directing so that the person opposite you is empowered to come up with their own solutions. Well, that's the way we work. We don't advise. We don't fix. We, we empower you because yes. I believe you've got what you need inside. But I can do that as a therapist. I can work with, for example, my young nephew, he, he is autistic, and he's, he's looking at you know what, what, what courses he should do now for his future, and we were chatting about that. And uh, he's been chatting to his mum and his grandma, and they've all given really good advice, but their mum and grandma. And I know that there's some underlying stuff there that is nothing to do with the course that's making him not want to make the decision. Yes. Because I'm not stupid and I'm an aunt and I stand back and I'm a therapist. Um, but he can't talk to anyone about that. And, and, and he can kind of talk to me, but even we've got that point of separation, it's still, it's almost like, and I see it with other kids too, if, I, if you were my dad, if I told you what's really bothering me, 
then I'd end up having to look after you while you're dealing with it because you feel so bad that this has happened and you try and fix it and then it would all be about you and then what's actually bothering me, it's too, it's too hard to tell you. If I tell someone else, I've not got that additional pressure on myself and yeah. children are aware of that. Also, you still might judge me because everyone else judged me and you <laughs> might be just, it might just be an act that you're not judging me. And, and listening to, again, talking to you, Sarah, Jane, Lana, and various others yeah. have taught me to, uh, oh, I, I don't know. Really? That's a judgment. Oh, that's a judgment. So it's really hard to. But, but as a parent, because, you know, we certainly within our therapeutic model, we work with the family because as quickly as possible, I want mum and dad to take over from me working with their child because I don't want anyone in therapy any longer than they damn well need to be. And we do that by just teaching them some cool stuff, but also having those conversations. You know, it's okay to have an opinion, but be honest about it. So, you know, um, I know one of the podcasts we're going to do shortly is about tribes and identity. And, and one of the big ones there is, you know, how, how, how do I tell dad that his son's gay? Massive one. And, and even if dad's really cool and chilled out about it and he's going to say, yeah, no, that's fine, son. What's he really thinking? Is he just saying that? Now I've got to look after him and protect him. It's really difficult. But the thing to do is just be damn honest and say, hey, look, I, okay, you're gay. I don't really know what that means. And I've got to say it worries me a bit, but this is why it worries me. Talk to me, educate me. Have that level playing field. Take the pressure off. I like, I like reading things on Reddit around this area. So there was a, a great, um, there's a great someone who came out as trans to their dad, and obviously this was this was a teenager living at home, and so it said, "Okay, dad, uh, blah 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 blah." I can't remember the thing. I don't want to say it wrongly in case. And the dad went, "You're still putting the rubbish out. You're not getting out of it." <laughs> Male or female, you're still putting the rubbish out. It has, and basically, the whole thing was, it has no impact. And that's what we want to get to. But yeah. there's, a, yeah, <laughs> there's a load of anxiety either way. What will happen? Can I do this? And, and I talked to my daughter about friends at school. We have these conversations, and I'm literally going, oh, if I do this, I'm supporting the child. But, oh, if I do that, is that going to create issues with the parents? Actually, this should be a journey the child and the parent go on. Oh, and it blows my mind. It's a really... Do you know what? I, th I, think, I think, like everything else in the world, I think we've overcomplicated therapy so much. I, I'll give you some examples around anxiety. A mum called me absolutely distraught. A child won't go to school, won't leave the house. Um, and I said to mum, okay, well, you're a mum. What do you think is going on? So I don't want to dismiss mum. She, you know, and mum said, "Well, I think it's this social anxiety thing that everyone's talking about, and you know, it's about COVID." And I said, "Okay, so have you talked to her? What, what have you said?" And she said, "Yeah, no, I've sat her down, and uh, this this kid's about seven, and she said, and I've explained to her all the statistics on COVID and Omicron, and that it's less variant, and that you know, as long as we stay away from nan and granddad at the moment, it's okay." And she said, "You know, I talked to her for about an hour, and I gave her all the information because I think it's important." Well, so do I, absolutely, and I'm going to tell you how to parent. So I said, okay, and, but the, the key thing here is she won't leave the house. Yeah, no, won't go to school, won't leave the house. And she said, and I know it's because of COVID. I said, you know. She said, yes, she said it's because of COVID. I'm, okay. So I, I met the little one. Hi, I'm Ali. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, straight off I just said, so mum says uh, you don't want to leave the house, you're not happy to go to school at the moment. She went, no. And I went, okay. Um, Mum says it's because of COVID. And she went, yeah. And I said, what is it about COVID that makes you not want to leave home or go to school at the moment? 
what is it? I didn't presume. And she said, I want a pink mask. I said, oh, right, okay, what colour mask are you at the moment? Blue one. Okay, so if we got you a pink mask, would it be okay to go to school and go out? Yeah. Bang. One of the things that we do is we project our fears and phobias onto a situation. And again, it's a nurturing, natural thing that we do. And certainly as parents, we do it all the time. We're thinking ahead. We're having to think for them, aren't we? Because they don't do consequence yet. And again, if we're back on the spectrum, they really don't do consequence, bless them. So we have to do that. But yeah, it was it was that damn simple. But everybody is presuming it's a lot bigger than it is based on your fears and your phobias. And again, you know, we do an awful lot with parents and the family. And I would literally say, right, mum, next time you're in this situation, rather than just diving into what you think it might be, all right, she said, well, I didn't. She said it was COVID. And I said, yeah, but you presumed what she meant by COVID, that she wanted all the facts and figures and the ins and outs of the political parties and who's doing what and vaccines. And so you didn't ask her what it was about. It was about a mask. It was that simple. Sometimes. So you can have those conversations, but it's just a little bit of education on how to. We assume a lot of things. So um, in the autumn term, Squid Game was a big thing. (laughs) So Squid Game became a big thing. And uh, so you have a TV show and then what every company goes, oh, everyone loves this. Let's try and use this in our marketing because then we'll be really cool. Then Squid Game goes everywhere and it's on every social media and various different things. Kids dressed up as the things for Halloween. It was huge. Yeah. And children were playing um, what's time, Wister Wolf, and you're dead type thing in the playground. And you got these letters home from schools about it. But they all assumed the children had watched the film and that it was bad for them. They shouldn't be doing this. They hadn't. They just assume they're playing this game because they've watched the film. And children at this age, not that actually they may have seen all this stuff from the other companies and all this stuff on social media and just thought, oh, that's really cool at the moment. I should do this. We assumed the parents had let them watch the film, which 90% of the time probably wasn't the case. But the squid game was saturated everywhere, wasn't it? Yeah, and and again, we're coming on to that and tribes and belonging and why we get into organisations and groups and what have you. but. You know, in relation to anxiety in children and adults, belonging is massive. Yeah. And, and you know, pre-COVID and the pandemic and not being able to mix and find your tribe, be with your friends and, and have, you know, go and play. I know we're taking the mick out of the golf player, sorry. But going out and doing something away from your, you know, your role as mum or dad or whatever, we've lost that. And, and social anxiety is becoming the problem. People are forgetting how to mix. And some people, I mean, I've, I've got to say I'm one of the few that was quite disappointed when Boris lifted the, the ban last time and let us all out because I loved having an excuse not to because I'm actually <laughs> quite an introvert. But, you know, a lot of people, you know, it was, it was torture. It was hell. Not being with their friends, not being able to do this sort of things. It's a part of them. It's a part of their existence. And that creates anxiety. And you get to the point where you're almost, certainly if you were struggling with social situations before it's even harder now and, and what if you know social situations weren't easy for you to find before because you, you know you're not into football so you can't join a football club or or do what the norm nor neurotypical lot do what what if you were a little bit different and on the edge anyway and now you've been locked down it it's even more i would say um being in lockdown is a bit like being in the 1990s 
okay, where's this going? Bear with me, bear with me here. Yeah, okay. It makes sense. So when I was at school, when I was at college, mobile phones were coming in, yeah? But if I got on a bus somewhere, if I got a train somewhere, I was on my own, I was alone. And I would go away from home, get in my car, drive somewhere, stay over somewhere, yeah? I was with myself and the person I was with for two days. Then I go home, how was your trip? I generally, I went on my own, yeah, with another person, whoever. But generally, you go to work on your own. You, oh, I'm gonna, you go to Brexit, go to Australia, I'm going to fly to Australia. You might go on your own, and you'll be on your own. And you were confident about doing it on your own. Then as tech comes along, it makes sense in my head anyway, all of this. Alison will tell me I'm completely wrong in a minute, or I'm right in some weird way, but mostly wrong. Um, but as social media has increased, we're never really alone. Yeah, I'm doing this and you message, yeah, and you're messaging people and you're doing all of this. And in some ways that could be a support bubble. It's like a tribe. And you go, you've always got your tribe with you. You can always post something on your phone and get a like back. Oh, oh. You, you, you get that social affirmation again. Lockdown, that kind of stopped. Do you, do you see my logic of the I... 90s and the thing, that bit about how we just, like my mum we did the whole Scottish ring thing. Do you know what I mean by that? I dread to think. Go on. It was, um, so my parent, my grandparents lived in Manchester. We lived in South London. Right. And we'd drive home, uh, like, get home, and my dad, I'll give you a Scottish ring, is what she called it. We weren't, we weren't Scottish, but it was called a Scottish ring. And what it is, is you dial my grandma, you let it ring three times, then you put the phone down. So it was a way of saying, without her having to get up from the chair, without having to go, hi, I'm safe, cool, by then, put the phone down. It was just, it was like a three rings, ring, ring, ring. Oh, oh they're home. It was that, that way of letting them know. And it was uh, no conversation, but it kind of, there's a much more minimal conversation about things. My dad used to go cycle holidays for two weeks on his bike, cycle from Manchester to Plymouth, and then go back again for two weeks with no, it just, but we've got this social thing. I think, I think it's, and it's changed how our psyche, I think. I, th I think there's, with all things, I mean, one of the things that I preach as a trainer and a therapist is that no individual, I've, you know, let's take anxiety, let's take it back. Um, I've probably seen thousands of people with anxiety now over the years. I haven't seen any two that do it the same way or have the same causes. So I think it's the same with everything. Social media, you know, everybody kicks against it. Our kids are, you know, they're not communicating. They've got virtual friends. They've got all of this. But it is, it is a way of them, and, I, and, and, you know, to a point I've spoken to a lot of children that haven't struggled so much with lockdown. Yeah, you know, if they're very sporty and outgoing, they couldn't go and play football. But so many kids now are doing nothing different. They're still on their, their, their games playing with remote virtual friends. And, and kids, they're used to just texting and rather than having a conversation. You're right, yeah, I'm right, and all this, I don't even know it. Are you free? I can work that one out when they just have the... But that's, that's their norm. Yeah. For us, it's not. And I think that the, the communication social thing is so, so, I think it's probably more important to us than it is to youngsters because the world's changing. I think we've got to stop fighting it, go with it, and actually use it to teach and communicate. So we're looking at doing something with that with anxiety at the moment and therapy, actually creating something that the kids are going to want to use because it's, it's a game and it's online. You've got to speak their language. The only thing I really don't like on social media, so WhatsApp, Facebook, I have Twitter. 
It used to be, it's increased, but you had 140 characters to get your message out. You can never get anything out without getting it wrong in 140 characters, which will mean somebody will always object. And it's always, so I, I can never feel like you'll say something, well, what about this? You're like, well, I only had 140 characters, so I couldn't put any of the clauses in, which is not what I meant. I just had to put my statement. And I hate things. That's why, whereas Facebook, you can have a conversation. Whereas, state, so to, I'm not fan, but WhatsApp, yeah, you have conversations. And I also think personally, um, what digital communication is a great hider of the person behind the keyboard. Completely is. You and, are and, you know, that's, communicating with what you see in text, not what they're wearing. Controlling online. I, I, I think, you know, there's falls and against, and it's a whole podcast and its own social media and what have you. But the reality is that at the moment, I think it's a damn godsend because yeah. we can still be part of groups. We can still have conversations. All right, they're not face-to-face. -face. It's not the same as going around for a cup of tea, but at least it's something. And for the kids, they were doing that anyway. You know, you will have kids that were going out and playing football. Or, you know, I, I used to go out for hours and hours playing games in the streets. That doesn't happen anymore. Now, they are online. That's just the way they are. So I think that's actually helped with the anxiety because that has continued. But I think if you were feeling not part of a group or you didn't have a sense of belonging, then that's heightened because it's even harder. You've got, you know, we have been in lockdown. We've got more time on our own. We've got more time to think whether or not that's, you know, actually I've got absolutely nothing in common with my partner. How have we stayed together this long? Or it's a teenager. God, if I don't get out of here soon, I'm going to climb the damn walls. And you can't go out and you can't just go and mix with your friends. And teenage years, my God, we, you know, we forget this. We remember all the good times. But what we forget was our two brains aligning, our child brain, our adult brain, all those hormones, a mess of chemicals. Yeah. And, and that was hard enough when we could run and play and Get take risks and do stuff. And, and at the moment, at the moment, we can't. And, and what teenager likes rules? We don't do it. We kick against them on purpose. We're creating our own reality. So, again, now there's all these rules, not just from your parents, but from it's damn hard at the moment. And all of these things are making people feel out of control of them, their self-awareness awareness, and their world and reality. And that has sent the anxiety levels through the roof. But I'm going to reiterate, please, people, CAMH isn't the only one out there. If you are struggling, get help. It doesn't take months. It doesn't have to cost a fortune. Pick the damn phone up. So you mentioned about we should get on board with social media and tech type thing. Yep. Well, I, my personal opinion, that's all Com I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I am Mr. Digital Tech. I love it. So I saw on a Senko group, I think it was a Scottish one, uh, before Christmas, in the over the Christmas break, so I was just relaxing, and it was a page from a book, and it was uh, written by a parent who was saying, um, I remember my son, he used to go around the house, and he used to write, um, make lists or write song lyrics. And I used to find these pieces of paper around my house, and it was really lovely. And we used to do lovely things. Um, and then as he got old, we got him his phone, thinking it was the right thing to do. And he used to do all this stuff, and we said it was so much fun. And then he got his phone, and he kind of, his eyes stopped shining, and he's died inside. And I really regret buying the phone because it's killed him inside type thing. And you got a couple of people agreeing with it, and I went, Okay, and I, I looked at it one way, and I looked at it another way, and it was really quite interesting. And I ended up with, basically, um, so basically, he went around and made these lists on his own. So basically, what I did, what I took from that is he was lonely, 
but he found a way to occupy himself. But you liked him doing that, so you gave him lots of praise, which made his eyes shine. It wasn't him doing writing lists and songs that made his eyes sparkle and shine and love it. It was how you responded to him as a parent. You know, for a therapist, I'm a lot more simplistic than that. I would say, because I know that if I spend too much time on my phone, my eyes go like panda and they glaze over. So I think it's actually the action of using the phone. But, you know, how he expresses himself, that's how he does it for him. But what mum in that situation actually needed was something different. So, you know, what was that really about? So I think him getting on his phone, finding actually I can do all this amazing stuff, but my mum thinks it's wrong. So now we're not having the conversations about what I'm doing. She's not saying, what are you doing? Oh, that's amazing. She's saying, what are you doing? Put your phone down. That's because she feels cut out of it. And, and, and you know, that, you know, just doubling it back. I, <laughs> I remember a while ago we had some friends come and stay, family. And uh, we were like, right, what are we going to do? They haven't been to this part of the country. We had all these plans of things we we're going to go and do. I'm not far from Cambridge. We'll go punting because, of course, you do that. Go look at the colleges and universities. Oh, that's some fantastic stuff to do. And, and all four of them sat in the front room with various iPads and iPhones and did not look up for about four hours. And I thought they weren't interacting. They weren't engaging. But, you know, to me that felt wrong. But they they were okay with that because that was something they did as a family unit. So there was no sense of um, anxiety amongst them. The anxiety was me thinking, well, that's not, they must be bored doing that. They're just playing with their phone because they're bored because I only play with mine when I'm bored. So I, again, was, I was projecting my thoughts and concerns onto a situation. And, and you know, it's, I can't imagine as a parent, it's got to be really hard not to do that. When you see your child behaving slightly differently, you see them withdrawing, you see them upset and crying, you know, not having any friends, you're going to project, but you can only project from your life experiences. And it's really hard not to, which is why pick the phone up, because I can't contaminate the room of your child the way that you will do naturally, because yeah. I don't have those same experiences. We've heard that phrase, if I don't learn how you teach, teach how I learn. Yeah, Exactly. So important. So with the children... I, if your child is not interested in what you want them to be interested in, not interested in your sports anymore because they're finding their own things, you get interested in what they're interested in. If they play Roblox, find out about Roblox. And um, I... Um, or my, agree my, to differ. You know? I agree to differ, but respect it. No, no yeah, I, 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 again, I think there's, there's falls and against, you know. There's all these, well, what you should do is this and you should do is that. And, and I'm, I'm very fluid in this in that I think that, do you know what? You don't, I love rugby. You don't love rugby. You like, I don't know, Pilates. Um, <laughs> She's not a fan. No, no. Um, because you don't like, like rugby, I'm going to make an effort to like Pilates. No, I'm not. Because Well, you respect each other's. Yeah, I'm just going to go, do you know what? That's not for me, but I completely respect. I'm happy to hear you talk about it yeah. if you're happy, but I'm not going to do it. Because I think you can falsify that situation. And again, that's just going to create anxiety because then you're like, I'm really trying hard with this Pilates thing that I really, really hate. And you haven't even, it's, it's another, it's going to create more. And we've got enough anxiety at the moment. So just be honest with one another. Don't be afraid of it, for God's sakes. So um, over, over lockdown, um, my sister's split up with her husband and he's living somewhere else, blah, 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 blah. And what I found out um, over Christmas is their son plays Roblox. The dad joins in from where he is 
and they're on the phone talking to each other, playing Roblox. It's like, that is brilliant. Yeah. That is brilliant. You're doing something together. That's the thing. It's not as yet, it's not a forced thing, but it's that respect. It's not saying, oh, Pilates, Jesus. Rugby, oh, rugby. It's not that. It's having that respect and listening to it and maybe asking questions, but respecting that that's what they like to do, that's what they're interested in, and go, there's a thing, would you like to go do that? Yeah. You, you, know, you went and watched Peppa Pig in concert and hated it. Why not go do that and hate it, but put a brave face on? What's the difference? Apart from you thought it was nice to you, Peppa Pig, but you just don't know. That's what I, I took a lot of different things from that written. I looked at it in lots of different ways. And again, I think. And they all looked at what the child did, not what the parent was doing. And the interesting thing is that. A lot of the stuff, again, I see in my therapy room and a lot of the things that makes children anxious, and this might surprise people, they're not anxious about anything particularly going on directly in their world. They're anxious about what's happening with mum and dad or the siblings because, get this, peeps, children, they might not have the capacity um, to understand what it is that's making you anxious, whether it's you don't know if you've got a job, um, you are struggling being at home with your partner, whatever it might be. But are you worried about COVID, about getting sick? You know, do I take the vaccine? All, all this stuff that's terrifying all of us at the moment, all these unknowns. And you can do a really good job as a swan in front of your children, but they have a sixth sense. And they will pick up that mum or dad are behaving slightly differently. They're worried. And they will pick this up. But then the problem is they don't know what you're worried about. So when our brain doesn't know something it creates it so then they'll just start listening to snippets and they'll start joining the dots and before you know it they're terrified of their own damn shadows why because they sense mum and dad is worried so again do you know if you've got stuff going on mum and dad talk to someone let's get to the bottom of it let's move it on but don't be fooled and a lot of children are very aware oh and 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 you know at the moment we, we are talking about relationship issues at the moment it's a big year as part of this pandemic and and the kids are like well I don't want to not go and see daddy, even though I don't want to be there because when I'm there, mummy gets upset. But if I don't go and see daddy, daddy gets upset. We've got seven-year-olds making adult comp, you know, yeah. choices. Now, that's always been the case even before COVID. There's a lot more of it at the minute. I think you you think you are being a swan. Perhaps we think we're being a swan. That and makes we're sense. Don't be fooled. No, you're not being a swan because generally you've got a shorter fuse. Generally, you're worrying about that. You haven't got the capacity to deal with that. And you just snap slightly easier, yeah? yeah? You react slightly more because you're literally doing And I've sat there and gone, and I've apologised to my kid. I can't, I really shouldn't have said that to you. I said I was having a real struggling with work, blah, 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 struggling with this. I shouldn't have snapped. That's my fault. Blah. And I've applied, I just talked about it. I'm telling them what I'm worried about. Yeah. Um, but other times they have noticed. It's like, you're all right? I'm going, yeah. It's like, why do you ask it in that tone? She went, you're a bit grumpy yesterday. It's like, was I? And you said they know, they can just, they just, they can see you react differently. Yeah. And a, a lot of the anxiety in children at the moment, it's, it's, it's very easy to, like my example, the little girl with the mask, it's very easy to project what it must be. It must be COVID. I had a mum the other day and she said, oh, my son's in a bad, bad state. He's really terrified of people dying at the moment. Well, where's he got that from? One. So, you know, and kids listen. You can be very careful of your conversations, but they listen, they pick up stuff, they have access to YouTube and grassroots, what else. And but so many times we project onto them our personal fears 
and and that's not necessarily there. So, you know, in the first instance, if you've got a kid, I know it's slightly harder talking to your teens, but simple words, what and how. Don't dive in with, oh, yeah, right, well, it will be because of this, you know, don't do that. Just say, what exactly is it that's the problem with going to school at the moment? What exactly makes you not want to go outside? And very quickly you'll get to, I want a pink mask, not a blue one. And you've saved yourself a lot of stress and anxiety and worry and just talk to one another, but make it age specific. And, you know, and, and, and people with kids on the spectrum, they know this, they live and bleed, breathe it and get very cross with anybody that hasn't had to go through it. The slightest change is a nightmare. The world is just tumbling around at the minute. And just think about it. So if you're sitting going, can we go see my granny and granddad this weekend? Well, no, because it's best not to see them because they're quite frail. And if they get COVID, they'll probably die. So we're going to stay away because if they get COVID, they'll die. Everyone's getting COVID. They might get it. Even if we don't see them, we might not get it. So I might not see them ever again. So just having that, saying that. I've, I've got teens, and, and we're not just teens, that um, are socially um, isolating, not because they've been infected, but because they're afraid to go out and afraid to even go to school because if they do contract it and they could bring it home and they could make mum ill or dad ill. Yeah. And, and we've got children taking on responsibility for us. We're all sitting here thinking, you know, we're, we're protecting our children. But they're listening to the news. They're hearing stuff and not necessarily in context and, 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 and understanding it to the level that, you know, hopefully they would. But And, and they're making judgments on that. And, and we've got children and very young children that protecting mum. I had... I had one the other day and only a young fellow and mum's quite poorly um arguably off the back of covid it's a, and and he knows the ins and outs of this illness he's seven but what he does is he can repeat the ins and outs because he's heard it and that's enough to frighten him what he doesn't know is that actually because it hasn't been discussed yet what mummy's got is okay because it can be cured and this is going to be they haven't had that conversation because that conversation hasn't happened within his earshot so what he has heard negative has left him quite anxious. Yeah. So. But we talk about, you, you, there, are, there are children in school who are carers. Yeah, absolutely. There are children in carers. In reality, children who aren't carers because their parents look after themselves but are still vulnerable are making decisions like carers. They're restricting what they do yeah. to protect their parents. And more yeah. children are becoming carers due to COVID. And that will cause, again, increased anxiety. It's it's It's... And, and, and frustration, again, it, with everything, you know, it's it, there's no one size fits all. So I've got teenagers that are climbing the walls at the moment because they can't go out because, well, they could go out, but they're, they're choosing. They're making the decision they can't go out because they could risk bringing something back into the house and they've got a poorly sibling or parent. So now they're feeling even more. But th- you're right. For young people, they're, they're making those decisions and they really, really are. And that's a huge responsibility, isn't it? And that's going to impact so much of their lives. So my nephew... Um... He's not a carer, but he's he he has autism and dysgraphia. His two younger brothers have autism, and it's much more impacting. One's been not been in school, getting there at the moment, but not 2018. It's a huge time off. Um, and he really struggles with so many things. So if he had to end up in hospital, that would just we're talking yeah. PTSD, full on, really not coping beyond what people can imagine. Um so he had to make lots of decisions. And his home life, he was, there was no support from parents because parents were struggling here. And, um, and he struggled with the exams. He should have had this. And they're like, you're a young carer. It's like, well, yeah. 
but he didn't really say it. You want to sit there and go, I'm a carer. You kind of keep it to yourself. And it's, you just think lots of other people do it. And, and my sister had to make a go tell them, make sure they know. They're like, well, he didn't tell us. It's like, really? You have to be told, come on. So, but yeah, he made decisions. He took things on. It impacted his work. He had raised anxiety because he felt, I can't ask for help with this because he's really struggling just leaving the house. I'm struggling with a bit of home. It had, and he made all these decisions on his own and the consequences hit him with results. Yeah. At the moment, it's... Talk about leap of faith time. It's one foot in front of the other and you're almost testing the ground because you don't know. And and we don't know, you know, is it safe to do this? Is it not safe? Will I have a job tomorrow? You know, are the kids going to be in school? Aren't they going to be in school? There is so much we don't know. And because we don't know, we're anxious because that is a dangerous situation for a human being. We hate it. We need to know. We need to know what's happening next. Um, and the whole thing with this pandemic is we don't know. But here's the thing, right? Some, you know, we talked about various things here and, and anxiety, but here's the bottom line, right? And and I can only say this from my perspective and, and how I cope reasonably well, but not brilliantly all the time. Therapists are vulnerable too. In that what I do is I, I've got this thing at home, right? I've got these three circles on the ground. I haven't painted on the floor or anything. They're like hula hoops thing. One in the middle, slightly smaller than the one, next one and the next one. So you, in the middle one, I've written things I have complete control over. In the next one, things I've got some control over. And in the next one, I've got things I've got no control over. And we do this in the therapy room. We do this with kids as young as year one, yeah? And we make them stand in the middle and say, all the things you've got control over, it won't take you long. It's actually quite scary. About to say, Just, it's one of the things yeah. you think you have control. The only thing I've got control over today was um, what I was wearing. Everything else today has been decided for me one way or another, pretty yeah. much. So someone that, someone crashing decided your route here. Yeah, yeah. It might Somebody else put in the diary I was coming here. So the only thing I've got control over right here, right now, is what I think, what I believe, and what I'm wearing. And what so you had for breakfast? No. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. You say, I've got all control, and you, what you, take, yeah, but, you take it away. It's all. But if yeah. you go into the next circle, what have I got some control over? Well, I've got some control over whether we stop and see a friend on the way home. I've got some control over what I might have for dinner later. There's not an awful lot in there either. But And then you've got the outside circle. What have I got no control over? Crap, we'll be here all day, right? But here's the thing. Do this. Do this in your head. Do it if you're, if you're you know. If you, you're one of these people that has conversations, do it in your head. Just imagine those circles. If you're very visual, draw them, yeah? Step in them. Notice how it feels to be in that one where you've got complete control. It's kind of nice, yeah? Step out into the one where you've got some control. It's okay, but not as nice as the other one. And then dip your toe in the outside one, which is everything else. What's happening tomorrow? Will we be locked down again? Can I have my holiday? Are there going to be teachers at school? Will we get sick? Is my husband going to leave me because I hope he does actually because he's boring as hell. Why can't he go and play golf? All that stuff, right? All of that stuff we have no control over. Notice how you feel in each of those circles. And I promise you, in that outside circle, you will feel anxious. In reality, if we uh, think your house is your full control, yeah, at the moment with COVID. If you can pay the bills, if you've got a job. Yeah. So no. If I'm in my house, I've generally got full control. You can control the environment. 
I can control which room I'm in. I can control who's coming in the door. There's lots of things you've yeah. got control. Going to the shops, well, I want to get this for dinner, but somebody else, it might be run out. It might not be there. Go, and you, the further you leave from your house, the less control you have at the moment. And I think a lot of people go, well, I'm safe here. Well, yeah, but the, with all things, there's a flip side. Um, you know, what if your house isn't a safe place? What if you're being abused by your husband or you're, you're a child and you're being abused? So it's not always. I get what you're saying. but That's the thing is people saying schools should be closed. The only, the, only, the only place that you have complete control is in your mind of what you have complete control over. I don't think it's a physical thing. But what I'd also suggest is that seriously do that exercise and just notice how you feel. And to get you through the day, help your kids get through the day. I've got kids that, you know, we're, we're talking about on the spectrum, off the spectrum. I think this is a generalised thing. You know, some of them terrified of going out because they touch something, they're going to get dirty. They could get, you know, just walk too close to someone. Now that that is, I've got no control, so therefore I'm going to go back into my centre circle to get them into that middle circle, so that they're not locking themselves away. Risk assess, and I don't mean sit down with a blimmin' chart with your child for goodness sakes, but it's like, no, you're right. You know, you don't know if that surface is clean. What could you do just in case it's not? Well, I could carry a hand. So that's a good idea. Should we do that? Go out and buy one of those hooks. Whatever. Yeah, just go for a, a, a risk assessment, but not in, that's what we're going to do is do this, 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 and this five times a day. And not that. Just and, and, and don't tell them, ask them. So, you know, with little ones, I'd say, yeah, you're right. You know, if, if, if we have to, I don't know, go up to London for the day, it would be lovely, wouldn't it? Because we want to we go and see Nanny or whatever. But you're worried about being on the train and all the people and touching things. What could we do to make that a bit safer? Don't tell them, ask them. It's all about empowering. If you empower someone, you're giving them back control. What creates anxiety? Lack of control. We did this. What you talked about was what we did with my daughter over the summer. And the solution she <laughs> solution she came up with is she wouldn't sit. She wouldn't hold on. Perfect. I said, right, but you're going to fall over. Hold and on. she went, you hold on, I'll hold on to you. Perfect. And 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 I I can't reiterate this enough. I know I know that the topic of this one was COVID, but you know it's any time anxiety anxiety. Yes, it's worse at the moment. Is it for some people? It's not. Some people are in a perfect permanent state, but it is about control. And think about those three circles, and think about a mini risk assessment, but age appropriate. What can you do to limit the risks to allow you to do that? Because if you don't allow yourself to do it, then you're going to lock yourself away, and that causes more anxiety. Risk and reward type thing. As I thought, if we have this amazing day in London, she'll be. I need to. I need to. I need to deal with this because I want to do that again. We had an average day in London, so she doesn't want to go back again because it was an average day and she had lots of stress getting up there. So that that actually backfired on me. But we'll work that out. But it is. It is talking to her. I gave her lots of notice, and kind of went right. So we're going to do this. So we drove part of the way. So if we have to get on trains and yeah, and we did this. I was like, How are we going to do this? And we came up with a solution and we did it and we got through it. And that's the thing. It is it's just that certainty and uncertainty, knowing the world, control, how can we do this? And it took planning, but it, we didn't get on the tube and then me go, why, why are you doing that? Why? I recognized it and we conversated and we went through. And I said to her, this is bonkers. You do know that. She said, yes, I know this. I went, but I get this is real to you. That's the thing. From my point of view, this is bonkers, but I completely understand your feeling this and this is completely real to you. 
that's really important that, that whatever the feeling isn't dismissed because yeah. you know this you know grow up man up or forget all that right it, easier said than done I know but ideally what we want to do is go okay I I don't understand but I accept that this yeah. is where you're at but seriously the most powerful thing you can do with children and it is such a central part of the therapy that we deliver is ask them yeah ask them what can we do to make this feel better feel safer and it's a lovely thing because you know what can we do to make Christmas better buy me a PS5 no okay so we're going to have rules here that's a that's a wish list. What can we realistically do? And and it's a good way of getting them to look at the, the realistic situations and what can and can't be done. But the more you empower a young person and the more you respect your teenager to actually ask their opinion and what would make the situation better, the more you're going to improve communication, but better still. It's instinctive in us as parents and, parents and carers to just fix it, sort it out, fix it, do the planning. No, I've organised it all. You don't need to worry. It's safe. It's good. I've got this. That's not going to make them feel yeah. safe. Include them in it. That will. That's 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 real power. Don't say, well, everyone else can do this, or millions yeah. of people do this. That's the thing. I literally look at it and go, right, abseiling off the Spinnaker Tower in Portsmouth. Yeah? No. Loads of people do it. Why? So it's safe. Why, why would you? It's, well, why wouldn't you? As my answer is. Um, <laughs> but I literally go, how dangerous yeah. is it? Well, basically, there'll be insurance. People do it every day. I'm pretty sure I've not read anyone's died. So it, it is safe. Yeah? So it's definitely safe. It's just there's a fear factor. So I just literally look at the averages and do it. That's how I my, – my daughter is complete. That's how your brain works. Yes. You work through the – And I explained and I explained to my daughter that is how my brain works. So you know, if, if this happens 5,000 times and no one's died, it's, to me it's safe. I can go do it. I might be scared, but part of me goes, it's safe. My daughter doesn't have that logic, and I, I just have, and I respect that. I literally going, this is how I work, but you don't work that way, and that's fine. And and again, you know, if we if we're talking on the spectrum, then yes, we we I was going to say we all know, we don't know unless you're in the world of autism and being on the spectrum. But they process differently, they think differently, they don't do abstract, they don't do obscure, they don't a million things that we just take for granted that help us navigate. They just don't do less than they can't do, but they do so many other things brilliantly. But it's, it's all about recognising whether you're neurotypical or you're neurodiverse, that each of us views the world and works our way through the world in a very different way. So you're very logical yes. and you'd look at the facts and figures before you did something stupid like jump off a tower. Yes. I'm very kinesthetic, so facts and figures wouldn't register with me as strongly as the feelings I have about that, which yes. is I'm pretty certain that they haven't changed that rope from the size six girl that just jumped before I do it. So it's not happening. But you get my point. Yeah, I, I have that. I, I, I'm being a tall person with long legs. If I'm yeah. on a roller coaster, my leg's dangling, I'll lift them up a bit. Just in case they haven't planned this for someone with such long... I generally, I, I know what you mean. It's like, everyone else on this bit, they're all shorter than me. So I'll just lift my legs up. That way my feet won't get ripped off on the right. Um, but generally, yeah, I'm quite logical. But I've learned that not everyone's the same as me. We're all very different. And... But what Which I like is another reason why, rather than tell, ask. It's so empowering. It gives them back control, and it really does help with anxiety. I love finding out about people. I love finding it. So, company going, oh, let's go out for a company meal. Where do you want to go? And they're like, I don't really care. I'm like, what do you mean you don't really care? It's food. We can have a go for this. And they're like, yeah, I'm not fussed. I'm like, okay. sorry, you're not fussed about food. You don't want a Chinese instrument? Yeah, I'm easy. I'm like, oh, that doesn't make sense to me. It's a meal out. I can have any food I want. I can go to here or here. There's a restaurant. No, 
not really bothered. But what 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 you what you've just done, which leads nicely into the, the, one of the other podcasts we're doing, is, and I think one of the things that makes me stamp my feet, and as a therapist, as I've said, for thousands of people that I've seen, young and old, with anxiety, I've never seen two people that do it the same way, react the same way, recover the same way, because it's different for everybody. Yeah. So one of the real Blimmin' issues I have is any therapeutic model that says, okay, we have a 12-week program, it's going to work for you, it's work for everyone else. No, it's bloody not because you're an individual. So that really, really annoys me. Sorry, I'm on my soapbox, but I am because I know people are suffering out there. And what also really annoys me is not that doctors give out pills. I think they have no choice. And if you're at that stage, whatever's going to help your child do it, right? But there are alternatives because that pill is a one-size-fits-all and all. It just subdues things. What I'm saying is there's an awful lot you can do yourself. Don't tell. Ask. Think about those circles. Don't waste any time in the outer circle. Why, why, why would you do that? What good is it being in the outer circle? How is it helping? Are you achieving anything? No. Recognize that everybody has a different view and opinion. Be careful not to project your fears onto a situation. Yep. Ask them. It could just be they want a pink mask. But at the moment, do you know what? Well, any time, but certainly at the moment, Cam H is backed up. Can't be helped. It is. It was before. It is now. There are loads of other companies out there. I'm going to promote us, of course I am, but there's loads of others. Pick the phone up. Speak to someone. You're not alone. And also what I would say is look ahead. Sure. So if you're, you've got a child with anxiety and they're struggling with things and you're literally going, well, this is coming up. So my daughter's going to college and she's anxious about various things. Yeah. We're months away, but I've got, to, I've got to start her planning and prepping and getting ahead around. She's got to go on public transport on her own. She can't hold on to me. What's the plan? Risk assessment. Risk assessment. I hate that word because it's inappropriate for children, but you know what I mean? Just like, well, yeah, I've, got, to, I've got to get her comfortable going there. But what a lovely thing. You know that and you're going to do that. And so we're not going to get to September and, her, and she's not going to lose out on something but what Which are you doing? will make you're, her grow. You're planning so she knows what's coming, so there's no surprises, and she's in control. Everything we're talking about here. At the moment, she's not worried about it. She's got GCSE. She's got all this stuff in the and next week to deal with. What's happening next week? Who knows? But she's worrying about it. So I'm looking ahead. That's what I'm doing to try and go, right, oh, that's a big thing coming up. How can I reduce it from being a big thing? How can we simplify it? Brilliant. And that's what you've got to do. So don't. So you've got to go, worry about the now. Worry about, oh, that's coming up. If we don't do something, they won't be able to access that. Let's get prepping for that. But what, what you've just done there beautifully, and in a nutshell, is whatever's ahead, let's park the pandemic for the minute. We don't know what's ahead. We don't know what tomorrow brings for any of us. But what we do know is if we don't know, it frightens us. I mean, some people love the idea, that the adventure of it all, but most of us, it scares us, right? We do need to know. So do you know the one thing we can take away from this is the one thing that we've all started doing really well, which is doing that creating that how can I make this as safe as it can be so that you do have a clue what's coming ahead so you can do you know I, I we haven't been on holiday for a while now mainly because we want to go to Australia we're not a tennis star um so we can't get there but I'm gonna book one and I know the chances are it'll be cancelled or whatever and but I'm gonna book one because then I've got something to look forward to as well so it's not just planning ahead to deal with stuff that you know might go wrong or might be bad to mitigate that put a risk assessment in it's really really important for us to be able to do we're human beings the one thing that keeps us going is hope and and hope for the future so 
you know, book those holidays. You see, you have to cancel it. So you have to cancel it. But book it. We need things to look forward for. We need to feel that we're progressing. Yes. And again, that's something else that will reduce the anxiety and give us a sense of normality. And also by going back to your circles, by me doing this thing with my daughter, we're moving it from I've got no control to I've got some control because she's not. She's going into the exit situation. High level anxiety down to manageable anxiety. Yes. Whereas if you just went there and had to get uh, not really, yeah. So big thing. So it is. It means you've got a plan, but this is the thing where um, go back to previous podcast. Do we need labels? Um, and it comes back to at the moment we do because people are putting what they expect on people onto other people. This is a whole thing. Trauma, tri- so tri- tribe thing, whole thing like that is we're putting our expectations on the people. We're assuming they're going to be just like us. The label helps us see that everyone's like us. Oh, anxiety, autism, dyslexia. Oh, I dearly want to get to the point where we just go, what is it you need? And but we're a long way from there yet. Do, do you know, we are, but I'm proud as hell that I have got you ones that completely accept that every one of their classmates is different and not just because they're a different colour or a different religion or daddy has a nicer car, that they all think differently. And they're cool with that. Now, if we can teach them at that age, imagine, imagine when they're adults. It's not rocket science. No. Have we set the world to right? Mostly, mostly. (laughs) We've covered a tennis player. Let's see if those listening (laughs) work out who we're talking about and going to Australia and the time when we recorded. So you'll work it out. Um, Thank you for coming. I do love talking with you. I could talk to you for hours, and I am today, so I'm quite grateful. Um, And it is really enjoyable. I can go off various tangents, and we've gone over, as we often do, on various tangents. But it is anxiety is a huge issue. It's something you, if you know someone with anxiety, you can't shy away from it. You've got a support thing. And that also means not doing things for them. You can't bubble wrap them. You can't take all the things they're struggling with away. You've got to help them as you manage it. So my wife also has anxiety, hates phoning up for a takeaway, hates talking to people on the phone. I make her do it sometimes to be evil because otherwise it, will, it could get worse. Could. So it's, it's it's a fun thing. You can't just sit there and go, oh, well, you stop doing all that. It makes you worried. I'll go do it all. I might not be around. No. I think it's a difficult one, that one, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks for that. I, I think everybody well, – I, I can only look at it from the way that we work as therapists and the way that I train our therapists. And the way that I look at it is in the beginning when I meet someone, I'm holding your hand and I'm – walking slightly ahead of you because you can't see a way forward. Yes. Very, very quickly, you're walking beside me. Faster still, you've walked ahead and you haven't realised I'm not there anymore and I'm not holding your hand. So it's all about empowering by giving people the control. And you give people the control by allowing them to use their inner resources to see what they can do rather than focusing on what they can do, can't do, how they make a situation as, as safe as, as they can for themselves or as manageable as they can and think about those three rings. It is all, whatever conversation we come up with here is all about not being in control. How do you give yourself back that semblance of control? And you need to just be mindful of not making that control situation work by taking control over by trying to fix someone. Because you might help them in that instance, but you're not going to help them next week when you're not there. You're absolutely right. So the sooner you can begin to include them in that conversation, the better. We actually agreed on something then, sort of. I remember... um... (laughs) 
and I took the same thing. I read it. I was like, right, I'm going to do this with my daughter. I'm going to, you know, maybe just. And I thought, so we ordered a takeaway. So I did the phone call. No one else. That was quite cool. But we ordered two different takeaways from two shops next to each other. So I said to my daughter, I was excited. Can you just go in there, go in there, say pickles and collect the order? And she looked at me and burst into tears. I was like, it's not that hard, is it? And I was like, okay. So I did both. I was like, okay. What were you fearing? And she went, well, I might fall over. And I was well, went, I'm well, I wasn't right. even there. I, cause she, was, she was scared. And it was, she was crying. I was like, what, is okay. it you think, what was the thing that you thought would happen? I didn't say scared. Of her. Yeah. What do you think? She went, well, I could walk in and fall over. And I'm like, wow. I was like, wow. I hadn't even thought that that's what you're, just this unknown situation. So and she was just. Yeah. One of the greatest things she did, which helped her, you know when you say, have a nice day, what do you automatically say? Thank you. You too. Enjoy your day. You too. Have a nice day. You too. Have you ever said that thing where someone says, enjoy your flight? You too. They're not flying. She's got said by a waitress, enjoy your meal. She went, you too. But again, and, and But she went through it and no one died. <laughs> which helped her see that we all make mistakes. It actually helped by making that mistake, it helped her with her anxiety a little because no one shouted at her. I went, Ugh. We, we, do, we do this thing in, in, in the Ollie training and it, it's, uh, we, we do it for the legitimate reasons and I'll own up to the other reason in a second. But at the start of the training, I will say, right, at some point I'm going to, as I'm, imagine me being the pilot and at the moment you're the co-pilot. So I'm flying this plane, you're safe, I'm teaching you how. Okay. At some point, I'm going to make a fundamental mistake. Um, I'll probably make a couple throughout the course. And I'm doing it just to see if you've noticed. And as a co-pilot, whether or not you'll do the right thing and actually mention it so that you can correct. Because, you know, I can't be in that mind of I'm perfect. The reason I really say it, well, two reasons. One, I, I want them to think about the way in the therapy room. I want them not to be afraid to actually notice or to actually question something. And I don't want, and I want them to encourage clients not to be afraid to question and stuff. But it's also, if I do mess up, I can just say, ah, oh, you noticed that. Well done. But no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Because of course I'm doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I think a previous podcast, I talked, I think it was Finton about, I think it was, I can't remember, but it's about people get used to, no, it was Wendy Lee. It was Wendy Lee. It was talking about people get, when they control information, they have got used to not understanding all of it. And don't put a question. And they got used to it. Well, I'm literally going, Alison said this, and that makes no sense to me. I best ask a question. Well, people don't always do that. And they get used to not knowing things. And you can just say anything you want. They'll go, Alison says this, that's correct. You, you don't want people that you want them to go, that makes no sense. I best check my information. But we're going off again. You've asked me how we discussed the world, and we're still just talking. We've gone off another five minutes. So I'm going to end the podcast now. <laughs> I'm going to end it. We're, we're done. So... You're Big taking thank you. control. I'm taking control. How's I'm in that, that hoop. <laughs> she's still talking. I thought I had control. I've only got some control because she's still talking. <laughs> Switch my mic off and then you control. <laughs> uh, no, I'll never do that. Um, thank you. I, I love it. I said I love talking to you. Um, my mind works in lots of different ways. I have lots of things, sorts. My 90s thing you obviously didn't agree with. It made sense to me. Oh, that's um, okay. Hopefully someone else has gone, that makes a lot of sense. Everyone else has gone, what? No. Um. But yeah, social media and also things like, as you said, just on the last thing, social media has, for a lot of people, came in 
after they've worked out how the world works and how we communicate. For the younger generation, it's how we communicate. They've not changed. They've grown up with it. It's us that's frightened of it. For yes. them, it's the norm. Yes, and we've just got to accept that. You know, when my computer communicates, very weird. But they're all doing it, so it's quite norm. So, um, Adolescent's also given me a couple of links. I'll be putting those in the show notes, and I'll also be sharing Ali's contact details, and you can find the show notes on our website, which is www.thesendcast.com, and you'll also find us in the show notes wherever you listen to the podcast. So thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed already, you can subscribe by going to our website, and you'll find all the links to all the different platforms on there. And if you're a social person, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at The Sendcast. And on Facebook and Instagram, we are The Sendcast. And if you want to get in touch, let us know your thoughts, agree with me on the 90s thing or not, suggest topics or anything else, please send an email to hello at thesendcast.com. And if you have enjoyed The Sendcast, why not look into the Virtual Send Conference? This is a conference that, like The Sendcast, is run by us here at B Squared, but it covers all aspects of SEN. And what makes this conference different is it accessed across the internet. Now, we started this Mars before COVID. We just realized that actually video training makes a lot of sense uh, because you can re-watch it, not just a one-shot wonder. So the conference runs every year in May, and each conference has 12 highly valuable sessions designed to help classroom-based practice. So we want something to actually take away and make a difference in your school. You can buy tickets for future events or past events. The videos are always available. And the cost for each conference is £60. And this covers the entire school, not per person. So everyone gets to get trained. And Alison has also recorded courses for us. And you can access her courses. Again, not just one person, the entire school. And as a listener to the Sendcast, we're offering you a 10% discount to the conferences just using the code SENDCAST10. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. I'll see you later. Stay in control. Bye.